Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Speaking to his flock in the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon, we join Archbishop Alexander Sample as he reflects upon our faith, culture, and life in the church on The Voice of the Shepherd. Joining Archbishop Sample is your host, Dina Marie Hale. And now, The Voice of the Shepherd. Greetings and welcome to The Voice of the Shepherd. I'm your host, Dina Marie Hale, and along with me is Archbishop Alexander Sample. And this week, we're going to take a closer look at the spirit of the new evangelization here in the Archdiocese of Portland and Oregon and around the country. And before we get on that topic, Archbishop, please lead us in prayer. Yes, indeed. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, your Son, Jesus, our Lord, before he ascended back to the glory of your right hand, gave the Great Commission to his church to go forth and to make disciples of all the nations. Father, we ask you to help us in that great work to make your Son, Jesus, known to all, to help all to come to know the love and the mercy that you have poured out for us in your Son, Jesus, and to discover the true meaning and purpose and direction of their lives. So, Father, we hope that this radio time will help in this effort as we place it into your hands, asking you to lead it and guide it. All these things we ask through Christ our Lord. Amen. Holy Mary, our hope, seed of wisdom. Pray for us. St. Joseph. Pray for us. St. Therese of Lisieux. Pray for us. St. John Paul II. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, I know not too long ago, you and many of our bishops around the country came together at a beautiful location, one of our favorites, Mount Angel Abbey and Seminary, to discuss the role of the shepherd in terms of this mission of evangelization. And I know over the last few months, your real heart has been, you know, directed by the Holy Spirit. And how do we continue to foster this sense of evangelization? But it does come from our shepherd. You know, as Jesus gave us the church, he started with our bishops, you know, to teach and to instruct and to bring about the sheep. So give us a sense maybe first of this gathering that Mount Angel hosted and the real mission that you all had as shepherds of the church to discuss the issue of evangelization. Yeah, the conference that we had here was a conference for bishops uh, in particular, uh, sponsored by uh, the St. Paul Evangelization Society, SPES, uh, as they call it, which SPES actually is the uh, Latin word for hope. Uh, so, but the St. Paul Evangelization uh, Society, uh, I think this is the second conference that they put on for bishops uh, to really call together a group of bishops. And we had some, you know, incredible uh, presenters uh, at, at Mount Angel to really instill I think in us. I mean, you know, I, I, I've come to know the St. Paul Evangelization Society uh, fairly well. Uh, in fact, they've, they've asked me to serve on their, on their board now. But they really wanted the bishops to come to a new and a deeper awareness of our call to be evangelists, our call to be the proclaimers of the gospel, of Christ, and to really commit ourselves to that. And I think that really what they were trying to stir up in the hearts of, of those bishops that had gathered, including me, 
was a, a real reorientation, perhaps even, of our Episcopal ministry. And I certainly have been sensing this in my, in my own life as a bishop, the need to really reorient my ministry, re, reprioritize it, if you will, to the work of evangelization. This is the work of the church. This is the work of the bishop mm-hmm. as a successor to the apostles. And I, I'm just seeing that so much more clearly. I mean, I think, you know, let's be honest, and, and I have to be honest, even with myself, when we think of bishops in the church today, let's say bishops in the United States, when we think of our bishops as a whole, as a group, as a body, as our own bishop, and I throw myself into that, do we think of them first and foremost as an evangelist? Mm. And I would venture to say the answer to that is no. I think most uh, of our people see our bishops in more the administrative role, uh, more of kind of in the role of the CEO of the mm-hmm. church, if you will. Um, you know, we trot him out for ceremonies, you know, and, and otherwise he stays in his office and just, you know, administers the church. And, and sometimes we don't like, you know, his decisions and that that he makes. In other words, we, we kind of see him perhaps a little bit more like a bureaucrat. Mm-hmm. And as an administrator... Rather than as a shepherd and as an evangelist, that's what I think this conference was trying to change, was to try to open the hearts of those bishops who had gathered to this idea that, no, our primary work is evangelization, is to spread the good news, is to proclaim and witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ, to to bring others to Christ. That's our mission. That's, I mean... Think of the mm-hmm. apostles. You know, their whole life was about sharing the good news in Jesus Christ with anyone who would listen and to try to bring them into that covenant relationship with Christ. That was that was that that's that is the mission of the church. And I'm convinced and and I'm firmly committed to this my good people who are listening. I am firmly committed to this for the rest of my time as a bishop. I'm going to focus my uh, my work and my attention on evangelization. And I'm quite honestly reorganizing things here in the pastoral center to free up my time and energy to be more about the work of evangelization and less about the work of administration. I've got plenty of people to whom I can delegate much of that administrative work, uh, but not everybody can do what I am tasked to do as one who is ordained as, as, as bishop, as successor to the apostles, to be the principal. I'm the principal evangelist, the principal catechist, the principal teacher in the local church, as is any bishop. Mm-hmm. And that's not, to, that's not to put myself on a pedestal or any bishop on a pedestal. And it's not to in any way diminish or, di- or dismiss the efforts, the work, the ministry of, of our priests, deacons, religious, and lay folks. You've got many wonderful lay catechists and evangelists. So it's, it's, not, it's not to say that, oh, this is just my job or the bishop's job. No, it's all of our work together. The whole mission of the church is to evangelize. So every member of the church is called to this work, but there is a special role for the bishop mm-hmm. to lead this effort and to, if you will, 
focus the local church, the diocesan church, on this mission. You know, I can remember back in my seminary days uh, when we, we'd, I don't remember where this comes from. It's somewhere in the documents of the Second Vatican Council, I know that. I, I'm not sure exactly which document it is. But it, it spoke of the first work of the church is to proclaim the gospel, to evangelize, to proclaim the gospel. That's the first work of the church. And I can remember, quite honestly, at the time, being a little disturbed by that. Mm. Uh, Not because I I didn't think that was important, but I thought, no, the most important, the chief work, the principal work, the most important work of the church is the Eucharist. You know, and I have always had a great devotion to the Eucharist as one preparing to be a priest. Man, that's what I was looking forward to more than anything else was celebrating Holy Mass and and, and, and bringing the Eucharist to, to God's people. And so I remember thinking, you know, uh, that the first task of the church is, 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 is to preach the gospel, uh, the primary. I think it, it maybe even said primary. There, there was a word that was used that threw me that, that I thought, no, no, the primary work of the church is the Eucharist, <laughs> you know. Um, but I, I really have come to realize that that's exactly correct that the, the, the primary, in, a, in the sense of the first work of the church, the first task of the church, is to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that leads people mm-hmm. into the church, into that covenant relationship with Jesus, and ultimately, of course, leads them to the Eucharist, which is the culmination uh, of that. But I think this, this work of proclaiming the gospel is very important. Otherwise, we become very complacent and satisfied with the status quo, and we must never do that. Right, right. And I just would love to hear a little bit of what you gleaned, Archbishop, with these other bishops. You're all under the same uh, authority, the same office and call to serve, and to just kind of have this opportunity to re. To reclaim that, but also to have resources, support, I think, to to allow the Holy Spirit to work, not just with one bishop, but with a whole collective, you know, the unity. What we really need is the unity oh, of the bishops in the mission of evangelization. Yeah, the, the uh, SPES, the St. Paul Evangelization Society, again, provided us with some incredible resources during this time together. They have their own resources uh, that uh, provide sort of a very clear, uh, carefully laid out plan, if you will, that a bishop could follow and implement in his diocese, of course, adapting it to to local circumstances. But uh, in other words, a very concrete way forward that could sort of chart out a bishop's uh, efforts at evangelization by slowly building a culture Really, of evangelization in his in his own diocese, um, and you know, very some very practical, uh, real life uh, examples of what we could do. But also, there were other resources that that were brought in. You know, uh, um, you know, many many people know. You know, Curtis Martin, who's the the founder of Focus, he was one of our speakers, and so he had his own you know contribution to some ideas around evangelization. So really, it was. I think it was it was the purpose of this conference. I think was to inspire us as bishops uh, to create a, a, a certain uh, solidarity among us as bishops and a fraternity among us that we can we can all be about this together. 
And, you know, uh, I'm not the only one out there, you know, trying to, to reclaim, if you will, my role as, 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 a, as an evangelist, if you will. Uh, but then also to provide us with these very practical resources. I mean, there was, I can remember the table <laughs> on one side of the room was filled with various resources and things that, that we could use to help us understand the times that we're in and how to prepare to do the work of evangelization. I think that, you know, one of the books that was, you know, very prevalent there was that book that I've been promoting from Christendom to Apostolic Mission, because we are in, a, in, a, in an apostolic mission age. I'm, I'm really firmly convinced of that. Because I think that, you know, as, as Catholics, we, we, we haven't been used to evangelization. We really haven't. Um, it's, it's a kind of a new, I mean, it's, it's, it's new in our time. It's not new to the church. But in our time, it's kind of a new idea. Because, uh, I mean, the early, all the early church thought about was evangelization. Yes, they had the community life. They had the early Christian community, the breaking of the bread, the Eucharist, all of, all of that. But they, they, their, whole, their whole life as an early church was revolved around proclaiming Christ, sharing the good news uh, with, with everyone that they would meet to try to, to bring people to Christ, to Jesus. Um, I think over time, what happened in the church, during, especially during that Christendom era, we got very complacent. We got very comfortable. We got very satisfied with what was. Um, you know, when you think about it, and I've, I've shared this, I've expressed it this way before. Uh, I think, in fact, in a recent program, uh, so I hate to be repeating myself, but, uh, you know, there was a time when we just, we thought, you know, once Catholic, always a Catholic, Right. So if I am Catholic and I marry a Catholic and we have our children and we have our children baptized Catholic and we raise them Catholic, maybe we send them to Catholic school, well, they're going to be Catholic and they're going to always be Catholic. And then they're going to get married and have families and their families are going to be, and so on, so that, you know, the faith just sort of gets passed on almost as an as a inheritance uh, and almost genetically. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that certainly is not the case anymore. Because a lot of our children, adult children, no longer practice the faith, and 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 if they're still practicing the faith, uh, you know, our, it's even less so with our grandchildren. And so this idea that the church is just going to, you know, quietly coast along and and keep adding to her numbers and just perpetu- self perpetuate itself. Those days are dead and gone, and we have to realize it. Yes, there are still wonderful families out there, and I meet them all the time that do a terrific job of handing on the gift of faith, and I just commend them and love them for all the dedication that they do. But that's not the norm mm-hmm. uh, today. And, and so the church needs to get back to her roots, and I think that's what we're being called to in this time. And maybe the, maybe the sort of crisis of faith uh, in in the church today and the diminishing numbers and all of that um, is a wake-up call for us to not be complacent and not to take things for granted and to get back to what Jesus created us to do, and that is to bring the good news to the world, to be a witness to the world of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And I, so I think this whole new effort 
at, at proclaiming the gospel to some who have never even heard it and to find ways to proclaim it to, to the world that, that the world can hear it in, in a new way. I think this is our mission. This is our only way forward. I'm convinced of it. This is our only way forward. I am not going to spend the next 14 or 15 years as the Archbishop of Portland in a maintenance mode mm-hmm. trying to preside over a decline. It's time for us to wake up and to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to anyone and everyone uh, who will listen to us and to, and to, because that's what Jesus wants. He wants people to come to know his, his love and mercy and, and purpose and meaning for their lives. Right. right. And he's given us the shepherd. He has given us, I love the Good Shepherd Sunday, you know, during the Easter season, it reminds us of that role that our pastor has. But, but beyond that, we look at those bishops who have that role to instruct our pastors to be those carers of the souls of the flock, not just a physical, make sure that the bills are paid. No, this is eternal souls that our bishops, our priests are entrusted to care for. When you look at evangelization, I don't know if this was discussed, Archbishop, in the gathering, but who are, who's the audience? Is it the people in the pews? Is it the people at home who say they're Catholic, but they're not coming? And forget about COVID, but just who are not engaged in the Catholic culture? Or is it the folks that just have no idea what the Catholic Church teaches, or is it a little bit of everyone? I mean, uh, when we're trying to evangelize. Yeah, it's, it's really all of the above. Mm-hmm. But that, that, that said... That doesn't mean that we just do a, um, and, and I, I, I want to be very strategic about this, quite honestly, because I don't think we need the shotgun approach, you know, right. <laughs> where we just sort of uh, put it out there and take a shot at everybody. I think we need to prioritize that audience. To whom are we speaking? I think I have clearly identified for myself, and this may sound strange, uh, to start with the people that we have in the pews. I think we all need to be evangelized. And I dare say we have a fair number of people who are going to Mass maybe every Sunday, but who aren't exactly sure why. Mm -hmm. You know, they are, it's their practice, it's what they were raised to do, they get some satisfaction and, and, and spiritual consolation perhaps out of that. They know it's an obligation, um, but do they really know why? Uh, do they really know the story? Do they know of of the redemption in Christ? You know, I, 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 I see so much today of sort of a redefining of what it means to be a Catholic. And, and lost in all of that is this idea of the fulfillment, the joy, the happiness, but the salvation that is one for us in Jesus Christ. He saved us. You know, Jesus, I think sometimes we want a therapeutic religion, uh, a religion, a feel-good religion, you know, that, and, you know, we see that, uh, uh, and I see, the, you know, I see a lot of trends in an inside and outside the Catholic Church of wanting to make it entertaining, uh, feel-good experience, uplifting, um, you know, so it's, it's focused kind of on us and what, what do I get out of it in, in terms of, of, of on a kind of an, on an emotional human level? But, you know, I, I kind of call it sometimes the, the therapeutic religion. We just want the, the feel-good experience when we go to church. Uh, and, and heaven forbid I would ever be challenged in church or made to feel 
that some deep reflection and introspection and maybe examination of conscience needs to happen and a conversion needs to happen in my life. You know, heaven forbid we have that, you know. Uh, but that's, you know, what Jesus calls us to is that is that metanoia, that turning away from things that, that are evil and sinful and, and turning back to him in his love and mercy. And he's always waiting there for us in, in his love and mercy. Because Jesus didn't come as a therapist. He didn't come as a social worker. He didn't come as an environmentalist. He came as a redeemer. He came to save us and to reconcile us to the Father and to open for us the way to eternal life. I mean, it's as simple as that. Uh, and, and it seems like that's just not enough for some people. And I, you know, I don't understand that. Uh, that that's, but I think people are just in very different places in their own struggles in life and w- with the faith. And so I want to, I, I want to reach out to those people first, the people that we still have with us. If we, if we want to put it that way, the people we haven't, you know, cause the, a lot of these people are in danger of being lost. Look at how many, I don't know how many we, we will lose to this pandemic ultimately. So there, there's sometimes the faith is very fragile and, and their connection to the church is somewhat tenuous. And so we need to strengthen them first to be those missionary disciples that Jesus uh, wants us to be and that Pope Francis keeps calling us to. So I think I, I'm up in terms of who are we evangelizing, I think it starts with the people in the pews. I think it starts with me as the archbishop being re-evangelized. I need to... You know, I, I may be the archbishop, but, you know, I've got areas of conversion in my own life that are, are ongoing and healing for myself that are ongoing. So I need to continue to be evangelized, if you will, by Jesus. Our priests, I think, need to be strengthened in their witness and in, their, in the clarity of what, what is their mission, what is their message. But then I think we need to get this message firmly out to our people and hopefully inspire them and touch them where they are living right now you know, with the questions that they have, with the doubts that they have, with the anxieties and the fears that they have right now, with the confusion, uh, we have to address that. Because then the ripple effects of that will happen. You know, so those others that you mentioned, the you know, the ones that come once in a while, the C&E Catholics, mm-hmm. you know, the, the Christmas and Easter Catholics, we used to call them in Michigan the, the, the Easter lilies and the Christmas poinsettias, uh, you know, uh, they'll be reached by our witness. The people who have completely left the church, and maybe our, our co-workers will be reached. Uh, and then those who never have heard the gospel uh, and, uh, uh, and, and who see our witness um, would be, you know, I think amazing to, to see that happen. So to answer your question, it is everybody. It's mm-hmm. all the above. But I think we need to be strategic and, and prioritize you know, where we start in order to have those ripple effects throughout right. the entire archdiocese. Right. We'll direct that evangelization technique to different people. And I think the book that you're referring to that really makes that clear that there has to be a different way to communicate yeah. because we have to realize where people are at. If the culture has kind of influenced the way that they think, they're not thinking with the Catholic mind. Yeah, you know, I used to, I used to, you know, uh, I've, I've had a real conversion on this whole point, quite honestly, myself. You know, I thought, you know, well, we just, we just have to propose the teaching of the faith and the gospels and the teachings of the church and the catechism and, and all of that. And it's logical. It makes sense. We, <laughs> right? So we, we, we kind of convince people intellectually. And, you know, that's a path that works for some. In fact, I talked to a young man once a few years ago who had just come into the church a few years before that. 
and a very on fire, zealous young man of faith. And I asked him, I said, well, what were you before? And he said, oh, I was nothing. I said, nothing. He said, yeah, I had no religious background at all. I said, okay, you got to tell me how a young man growing up in Oregon goes Mm -hmm. from being nothing to this on-fire devout Catholic. Well, his was an intellectual path through reading some philosophy, St. Augustine, the Fathers, et cetera. But that's 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 not the path for most, uh, and I think so. I used to, you know, think, well, we just got to teach well, and we have to lay it out for them, and put the logic there, and put the syllogism there, and that's not convincing for everybody. In fact, it's probably convincing for very few. So we have to find new ways to reach people with the same message. We don't change the message, but we have to find new ways to to bring it to people. Now, this is what Saint John Paul II talked about in the new evangelization. Remember. I'll keep repeating this. How is it a new evangelization? Because we really are evangelizing uh, a post-Christian world, but Mm -hmm. people who are at least culturally and and baptized Catholic, that's what he had in mind, especially he had in mind Europe. So it's new in its expression. Mm -hmm. In other words, we need to find a way to communicate this, this, this eternal, beautiful message of the gospel in a way that people can hear it today where it, it, it makes sense to them, it touches them in some way. In other words, we're not changing the content. The teachings of the church don't change. Uh, so we're not changing church teaching, and, and, but we're finding ways to express it or, or, or reach people with, with expression that can touch them with where their mind and heart is at. You know, we can't expect them to be somewhere else. We have to meet them where they are. Mm-hmm. But then lead them on, not leave them where they are. It's, it's new in its um, so in its expression, how it's forming. It's new in its fervor, its ardor. We need to be. That's what I've been talking about. We need to get on fire again for this evangelization. And it's new in its methods. There's all sorts of methods. I mean, let's just look at it. The apostles didn't have Catholic radio. Right. <laughs> they didn't have modern day. Uh, but we do, mm-hmm. and we have social media, and we have the internet, and we have video, and we have all sorts of ways of communicating that we need to take advantage of. So new in its ardor, zeal, new in its expression, how do we express it in a way that can touch people where they're at and with what they're struggling with, and bring the gospel and the light of the gospel into that, and uh, new in the methods that we use. Right. And following the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. That's the way it well, is. Well, the Holy Spirit's in charge Absolutely. last time I checked. <laughs> well, we are going to look forward to continuing to pray for that and to see the zeal really lived out here in the Archdiocese of Portland. With that, would you help us close yes. with your blessing? And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit come down upon all of you, your families and loved ones, and be with you this day and forever. Amen. And thank you for joining us on this edition of The Voice of the Shepherd. We look forward to sharing with you again next week. For Archbishop Alexander Sample, I'm Dina Marie Hale. And until our next encounter, may you have a blessed week. You've been listening to The Voice of the Shepherd with Archbishop Alexander Sample, a production of the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon. To subscribe to this podcast and access to all of our past shows, visit moderndayradio.com. Please email your comments and questions for the show to info at archdpdx.org. Learn more about the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon online at archdpdx.org. Peace be with you.